All right, welcome to the Courtside Hoops podcast with Reg Buckets, and we've got Tulsh and Pat back uh, again. It's been a while since we've done one of these, so we could probably be here for the next several hours, but we'll try to pump through a few key topics. Uh, and I wanted to start with um, NBA All-Stars, uh, starters and reserves, recently been announced. I'll quickly run through those, um, and then just wanted to get uh, you, you guys' view on um, those selections, and then obviously um, which one surprised you or who would you have in over somebody else. So East starters, we got uh, Demar, Trey Young, KD, Giannis, and Embiid. Reserves, we got Levine, Harden, Butler, Middleton, Tatum, Garland, and our boy Buckets, Freddie Van Vliet. Uh, and on the West, we got uh, Steph, sorry, starters, we got Steph, Jar, uh, LeBron, Andrew Wiggins, and Nikola Jokic. And West Reserves, we've got uh, Book, uh, CP, Rudy Gobert, Draymond, Carl Anthony Towns, Luca, and Donovan Mitchell. So, Pat, you've got the floor first, probably because you're by far the big and biggest Wiggins fan I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> so, you, you get the floor here because I think I know where we're going to start off. <laughs> I, I, I'm all for Andrew Wiggins. I'm, I'm, I'm all for him. He's in there. No, for me, Wiggins is fine. Um, mine's Middleton as a reserve, as a, as a reserve, but you'll go starters. So, yeah, yeah, Wiggins, yeah. He, who, who, who could you replace him with? A lot, but I think it shows that where they're at on the record, he's been playing some pretty good, pretty good defense. He's shooting the ball. I think he was he's top five top five three-point shooter in the NBA right now. So he's clearly going to be the one that's thrown up with the most contention. But, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a nod to the record. I think Phoenix is stiff. Phoenix is stiff to have like, the best record in the West at the time when that was announced and no Chris Ball or Booker. I think that's pretty stiff, but I think they both made the reserves. So pretty standard. And Middleton was your reserve surprise. Yeah, yeah, he's that. That's an odd one for me. I think Drew Holiday, his own teammates, probably had a better year than him. So I don't know. But then again, you know, the guard forward, however that plays out. But Jared Allen being Jared Allen probably deserves a look in there. He's anchoring the best defense in the NBA right now uh, for the Cavs. So yeah, I think he's pretty stiff to miss out there too. Dosh, any difference of view there? No, I actually pretty much agree with Pat. To be honest, I mean, I'd probably, I'm actually. pretty happy for Darius Garland to get selected. He's been, mm. I think, I think Cleveland, you know, have surprised everyone with sort of how, how they've been playing and how they managed to notch up all their wins. And, um, you know, it looks like they're definitely going to be featuring uh, potentially pretty heavily in the playoffs. So it's a good, you know, uh, good nod of the cap for um, for Garland to actually make us uh, get a selection in the all-star team. So now that's probably my only thing to add to that. Must be disappointing not to have several wizards in there though, Tosh. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, my wizards have kind of fallen off a bit of a, a bit of a cliff, cliff lately, and um, yeah, that's let's not talk about that. <laughs> what do you reckon, buckets? Any any surprises or or things you'd change with the uh, the All Stars? I, I'd certainly change it in terms of surprises. It, it was hard to pick this year because there's been so many changes with guys being in and out of lineups with COVID and everything like that, um, but. Probably the all-star game for me, it needs a revamp. Like what happened when they changed the format? I love that. But even with the players, like I get that all-star is something that, you know, when we talk about players' resumes, you know, you say they're a six-time all-star, seven-time all-star. For me, that sort of stuff should be reserved for the all-NBA teams. That's when you pick, you know, the best players in their positions for the entire season. For the all-star game, like I want to see – the most entertaining players. So I was disappointed that you don't have a guy like Lamelo Ball in the lineup, and probably another one is Anthony Edwards. I certainly appreciate that they're, you know, who are you taking out for those guys? Like you know, Darius Garland. You know, you could probably switch him out for Lamelo, as you said, Chris Middleton. You know, these type of guys. Because I want that entertainment value of All-Star Weekend. I want to see the most entertaining, the most athletic guys going out there and putting on a show, not necessarily guys like... It's great for Fred Van Vliet 
Reg, you know how much we love him. Oh yeah, he's not he's not going to do anything in an all star game that's going to get you out of your seat. He's going to take yeah. a charge. He's going to be like Kyle Lowry last year. <laughs> um, but you know, it's a great tip of the cap for him. But I think it'd be more you would get more of a kick out of if he makes an All NBA team at the end of the season versus getting his first All Star selection. So that's the only disappointment for me not seeing Lamelo in there. Um, but I just hope that it's as entertaining as it was when they revamped the format um, and they got some other changes with the rookie um, sophomore game too. So I like that they're trying things to try to get a bit more spark back in the weekend because up until about 2019 it was it was very tired. I completely agree with everything you said, particularly around. I sort of get sick of when they say this guy was a four-time All-Star or a seven-time All-Star, whatever. It's and it's like, oh, how many All NBA teams do they make? None. And it's like, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> like, um, and it's part of its popularity. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many factors that go into it compared to like All NBA, but it's a, it's an exhibition. How, how do you change the way that it is? Like, it, it it'd be cool to revamp it. I agree, but what, what do you revamp it to? Like, what's the fix? So I think what they did when they changed that scoring, how they the changed Elon. the scoring format so that that Elon last ending. period was competitive um, because that's the biggest thing is you want to see a level of competitiveness. Yes, we want to see the highlight plays, which you used to see that for sort of the first two to three quarters. And then as you sort of got to the back end of the third and into the fourth, then it really started to ramp up. And that's when you know the, the guys that really enjoy watching basketball got to see that level of defense and competitiveness between the best players in the league that went away for probably six to 10 years from probably 2011 onwards that really went away and you're seeing these things where it's like 187 to 194 and things like that and just guys jacking up threes every other possession so I liked how they did that last quarter where um, I can't remember exactly. So you get to a point where then you got to score. A, a, they have a target thing, and the team's got to get to that. It's a bit complicated. Someone jump in and explain exactly yeah, how, it's, how it's, that works. It's called the Elam. It's called the Elam ending or something like that. The, the the basketball tournament, the one you see on ESPN every year, that one million dollar. You win a couple of million. That they that's how they end their games. So you get to a you're working through the game. I don't know what it is, but it's like they base it out on how many points scored in all the other quarters. And then it comes to a bit where it comes to, you know, you've got, this is the final score. You've got to hit first to that point. First to that score wins. Yeah. Is that, the, is that the same as big three or is that just first two wins? No, nah, I think that's first to 30 or something, whatever it is, or whatever their yeah. score is, it's first yeah, okay. to something wins. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a hard, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. Yeah. Really like, you know, as you said, like it's been mm-hmm. taking the piss take, like the one where Curry just laid down and let, cause Giannis was running at him on a fast break. He just lies down. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, mm-hmm. that takes this thing out of the game, but I'd like to say I'd always like to see like a one-on-one or a three-on-three or something like that, like some kind of other event added to the weekend as well. But the All-Star game's hard to hard to spice up. But I think like one as a major league baseball, I think it is with their All-Star weekend. The te- the conference that wins is like the home conference for the final series, so it doesn't matter. Correct. Um, like there's no like the home. That, that that's how you define home court in the in the finals. So in the World Series, so that'd be something cool. Bring something in like yeah. that. You're actually playing. You're playing for something. That'd be that interesting. Would be cool. That would be that's, cool. That's exactly what that's exactly what I was gonna I was gonna suggest if I was to re like look to revamp it. I reckon you've got to give them something to play for and like money. You can't like there's not enough money that they can you know they can't be like unless they give them you know fifty million dollars each whoever to the winning team to every individual player. There's no way that they're going to give money as an incentive for these players. They already earn too much. Fifty million to every individual player. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that that's what they should do. What I'm saying is you have to pay them something exorbitant to even try and make them remotely attractive for them. You know, like yeah, Steph Curry's getting paid forty million a year. What you know? Yeah. If you say, "Oh, we'll give you a million dollars if you win the All Star game," he's not going to potentially go out and play hard just for a million bucks when he's earning forty. Spe- speaking um, of speaking of money, and Pat, you you're always my token guy when it comes to salaries and contracts and these things. Is there guys who have? If you make an All Star game, you get. XML. Yeah, KD. So, so, so KD got one. So KD's not even going to play in the All Star yeah. game, and he had a million dollars tied to as a bonus. Yeah. So yeah. He's, he he made he made a million bucks for being named to the All Star team. See, that's so crazy because like a dude like Andrew Wiggins, like to me, maybe have all like have your All NBA awards and things like that. That actually, but but to me, All Star is so hit and miss because no one expected Andrew Wiggins to be a starter. Yeah. You know, well, did you see how he, did you did you see how he got it because of the Korean pop star like? 
the Korean pop star retweeted like it was a massive Warriors fan and retweeted him. And then all his and then all his fans retweeted that tweet. And so that's how he that's essentially how, yeah. he, how he won the votes. Like that's that's how he became a starter. Essentially, that was that he made a, he a heap of votes that way. I didn't I didn't see how it went when the media and, and player vote came in, but he obviously had enough to hold his hold his spot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I didn't see the exact, exact voting numbers, but yeah, the, the, the legwork of his voting was done thanks to a Korean pop star who is a, a big fan of the, uh, the Warriors. So maybe oh, that's yeah, what I think- we could give him instead of trying to give him money because they all make so much. Be like, if you win, you get 500,000 followers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. I think I, like I think it. I think you need I think you need to have something that they, that they need to play for, and I reckon the idea of you know if the if baseball do it, the idea of mm. whichever conference wins, regardless of the seedings of the team West and East, the finals will go to the West team or the East team. I mean, because I mean, you, you presume too that you know the better teams generally have more All Star selections anyway, so those players will be you know likely to be those those players playing off you know in Western Conference, Eastern Conference finals where. You know, them having home court advantage would be, you know, a, a big advantage. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's let's move on. Um, now that we've fixed the All Star game, and, and the NBA will listen and get that sorted for us, that's a good thing. Um, who's the MVP? You get a vote right now. Who's getting your vote? Dude, that's a tough question in this season. It's so hard. With it's just. Like normally it's a pretty simple formula with the MVP. You look at, okay, who's, you know, up there in terms of points per game and stats and then who's got the best record. And normally those two things correlate pretty easily. If they're one or two seed in in their conference and they're having career best in in stat categories, they're going to be right up there in MVP voting. But all the contenders that are up there at the moment have either missed time or had players in their team miss significant chunks of time whether through injury or COVID so all the records of the teams are all over the shop because you look at Phoenix who's got the best record in the league and no one no one's saying Booker or CP for MVP Golden State were killing it and then they've had a slump no one's talking Steph Curry for MVP so it's very for me it's very challenging you've almost got to look at you've got to dive deep and work out okay what are some of these players records when they're in the lineup so I did a bit of a look to see. And for me, it was between Kevin Durant and Joel Embiid. So I looked at what their records were when they're in the lineup because obviously KD's, he has been hurt for the recent time. So no one's really talking about him, but they're 24 and 12 when KD plays and the Sixers are 27 and 13 when Joel Embiid plays. So for me, it's a coin toss between those two. And I looked at the other guys that are up there. So Giannis, they're 28 and 16 when he plays. And Jokic, they're 27 and 19. So for me, it's between Kevin Durant and Joel Embiid. And it's going to come down to who stays healthy. So is KD able to get back on the floor and produce what he was pre-knee injury? And is Joel Embiid going to stay on the tear that he's been on lately and continue to get wins? So for me, it's, yeah, it's so hard with so many guys missing time through COVID and injury this season. Tosh? Um. Yeah, look, I definitely agree with buckets. Um, in terms of it's it's very hard to pick who's going to be the overall MVP. Um, I mean, I think KD's his runs done a little bit. You know, he's he's out for another four more weeks or something like that, and who knows if he comes back on, you know, some restrictions or whatever to try and ease himself back in. So, I think that just the amount of missed time, he's not gonna not gonna get there. I think that Embiid's probably the likely winner. Like, I think not having Ben Simmons and him still actually keeping Philly in contention, he's having absolute, you know, cracking season. What's he averaging? 29 points, nearly 11 rebounds, four and a half assists. Like, he's um, he's doing everything for, for Philly. Um, and, you know, without, you know, the elite player of Ben Simmons. So, um, I know you can make this, hey. the same argument for, 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 Jok- uh, for um, Nikola Jokic around... Jamal Murray not being there as well. Um, my, my, my only other smoky is, is Ja Morant. You know, like if, if he continues to play at a high level and the Grizzlies continue to, not, you know, notch up wins and move up, you know, uh, the West Conference standings, um, 
he's got to be in contention if he does it, you know, for the, for the last, you know, 20 or 30 games of the season. Ah. This is the easiest answer. It's Nicola. It's, it's, it's the Joker and it's not even close. It's not even close. There's no discussion. It's, it's over. Tell us why. The, the difference of when he's on the court to when he's off the court from a plus minus standpoint is 22. By far, like the biggest out of everyone in the competition. Like Steph Curry is at 15. Like he, he's doing everything. They're the sixth seed in the West. He doesn't have much support. I'll be nice to his teammates. He, there's not a lot going on on that roster right now. And he stayed healthy. He's, he's just dominating. And without them, they would be, they would be down south quite a fair bit and playing for a draft pick. He, he's by far the best player. The fact that they're only so they're four games over five hundred. Do you think that's going to hurt when it comes to voting time? I, absolutely, I think it will. I think the record people take the record into into account, but if the if we're talking about what the most valuable player actually means, he's the most valuable player in the NBA right now to his franchise. Yeah. I mean, I mean, There's I mean, we said no that question. we said that every we said that every year. You know, in terms of like who's the most valuable player if you took any individual player out of the team that that team should be worse than any other team. If you then took it there, you know, their MVP player out and the award very rarely goes to, you know, the actual person who's the most valuable for their team at that point in time. Like, I mean, you know, as much as I don't like LeBron, LeBron's, you know, you took LeBron out of most teams, they're, they're, they're going to struggle a fair bit as well. So, you know, there's an argument to be made that every year, you know, if you did that, that you you know, the, the, the MVP would be the same person for eight to ten years in a row. Well, I mean, look, go back, go back to the nineties, and that's how it was. That's how it was done, right? Like the nineties, it's how, how it was played. Like the year that Charles Barkley wins the MVP, Phoenix were a force. They played in the NBA Finals. They lost to MJ. Like you know, it's the best player for the year on the not the best team, but you know, he 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 single not single handedly, but you know, he. He did a lot for that team. Take him away. They don't even make the NBA finals. But yeah, I just I don't, I don't. I can see like MB. I can see what MB is doing. See what KD is doing. But yeah, no, no one's doing what Jokic is doing. Like he's putting up stats, but also playing winning basketball. Do you reckon? But just but just going off the two big fellas in Embiid and and um, and Jokic. Obviously, Philly's got their issues with Ben Simmons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Jokic doesn't have Murray. Who actually has the better squad around them? Uh, because, I, like, I sort of I can see this the both in both camps as to why that that player should win. And they're sort of I think that one's what it's fairly like the fifth seed, and and Denver's like the sixth. Like they're, they're both sort of in that yeah. sort of right in that middle range of playoffs. Um, but is what like they they both don't have a, an awful lot of help. But I would probably think Embiid currently has more than Joker has. Uh, I I'd, I'd agree absolutely. Tobias Harris is, I'm pretty sure he's been an all-star or he's close-ish to an all-star. You know, Seth Curry's been in and out. Tyrese Maxey's come out of nowhere. No, he, he's, got, he's got guys that can play. Jokic has got guys. Because don't forget Michael Porter, Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. is also injured. So. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> and then Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Gordon's hit and miss. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on. I'm going to finish this conversation and uh, move to the next topic. I'm going to jump on board with Pat. He's, he's convinced me that it's, uh, that it's Joker. So there you go. So you're not going to take your team's number one seed in the East and you're not going to pick someone from your squad? No. No, because our squad our squad is dependent on every single person in that team being there. That's that's how our squad is built and that's how, if we're going to have any success, it's going to be because we're, we're just get super lucky with 100% health because Demar's not Demar without Zach there. Zach's not Zach without Demar there. Vooch is not Vooch without neither. Like, that's just the way we are. Whereas these other dudes can just carry a team and uh, yeah I love the way DeMar's playing and, and people are saying he deserves to be in the MVP race yeah I'm happy for him to be fifth or sixth but he's not in that top, <laughs> yeah he's not in that top yeah. four contention and um, yeah so I, so for me that's I would love to pick him but I think people who are saying he's the MVP I'm kind of like yeah you know that, because if you've only got to go back to San Antonio with him there okay squad wasn't good that's cool but squad's not great for Jokic and look at what he's doing squad's not great for Embiid look what he's doing Zach last year being the Bulls' main guy, look what he did. You know what I mean? Like that, and I know I'm going off different seasons, but 
um, yeah, to me, you just can't include um, um, those guys in in this um, in this thing. And also, we've, we we sort of got COVID before everyone else, so we sort of got through our bout and then had a good good run of playing teams who weren't at full strength. And I mean, you can't play who's in front of you, but that's got to be an advantage. Like you've got to make the most of those opportunities when they come, because as everyone says, to win an NBA Finals isn't impossible if you don't have good luck. That plays such a big factor. Um, yeah. And yeah, the, I'm not saying Phoenix are only where they are or the Bulls are only where they are because of that, but it's it's definitely a factor for sure. I think, I think Chris Paul needs a bit of love too. He, what he's doing, I, I think people forget it, they were they were they made the they made the plane for the bubble, and then Chris Paul rocks up and they go to the NBA Finals his first year there, and now they're leading the West. He's got to have some consideration. He's 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 having a year. Do, do you reckon though that they're not to the same extent, but a little bit like Chicago in that every piece just needs to be working together and it just is. And that's why they're, cause, cause they've just got like their role players. Like you just know this guy's going to do that. That guy's going to, and yes, you've got CP3 sort of running the team, but they, they, everyone knows their role and they play it. Like, and that's got to be yeah. an advantage when it comes to, you know, wins and these sorts of things. They're kind of just next man up, aren't they, at the moment? Like, Aiton went out, JaVale stepped in, had some big games too. And then, you know, they had uh, Jalen Smith stepped up for a bit there for a while. They've just got guys that just come in and it's just pick a number and off you go. So they're, they're, pretty, about, they're a pretty well-balanced team. What about Bismack Biombo? Has Nick come oh, in? Yes. See, look at that. There's another, there's another one. That's, that's the one cool thing, I think, that's come out of COVID is these guys that were out of the league. It's like, why were they out of the league? Like Lance mm. Stephenson, where would he be if, if this never happened? Like he'd mm. be out chasing cash somewhere around the world, and he's got a contract for the rest of the season now. Like that's been the one cool thing about COVID in the NBA right now. Agreed. All right, I got sidetracked there. Um, buckets, we, uh, you and I have never been huge fans of Draymond Green on this show. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> but uh, he had a really, really. Probably one of my favorite podcast episodes I've ever listened to, other than obviously the 67, 68 episodes of Courtside Hoops podcast that we're, that we're up to, um, which are obviously in front of it. But aside from them, he, he, him on the, uh, on the JJ Reed podcast was just awesome. Like just so, so Elite. good. So good. Um, what did you love about it, Buckets? Yeah, look, as you said, I wasn't a big fan of Draymond. For me, Draymond come across as someone that felt like he was better than what he was because of the system he was in and the success they had. So I thought, here's a guy who's arrogant, that just thinks I'm a three-time champion. And in my mind, he rode the, the coattail of Clay and Steph, KD, and that, that Warriors system. Um, and he got way too ahead of himself for what he actually was. He was a guy in the perfect system. A lot like guys, how they excel when they're with the Spurs, and then you go away and think, how the hell did they average 10, 12 points off the bench? And then they go to another team and they're out the league in six months. To me, that's what Draymond was. He was in the perfect system with the perfect skill set. But then after watching that podcast and listening to him speak, he gets it. Like he gets basketball and he understands how it's not just about scoring as many points as you can. He understands the, the value of just playing good, solid defense not trying to get a steal on every play or trying to get a block on every play, just being in the right spots and not giving up anything dumb. He understands the importance of when you're on the offensive end of the floor, the best option isn't for you to shoot or to look to shoot. The best option is to make it easier for everyone else around you, and that's what's going to make the team most successful. I was so surprised at just how well he articulated the game of basketball and how so many people just see, well, this guy averages 25 points, so he must be a star. Whereas a guy like him can have four points, but have so much more of an impact on the game than that guy that scored 25. It just, it was frustrating because I wanted to hate him. But after listening to that podcast, I just, he is someone that just really understands basketball. And if someone wants to find out how to actually play the game successfully and be what they call a winning player. Listen to the way he talks about the game and what you need to do to make your team the best it possibly can be. It's a must listen. How good, how good was the swing pass stuff? Like just the mm. benefit of being a guy who catches and swings the ball. Like you get no stat, yeah. 
yeah, not on any of the ESPN top 10 highlights or anything, but that can be such a difference. And there's so many guys who just won't even do that because they, they want to hold the ball or get an assist or you know, get something out of it that's going to show on the stat sheet. Like that sort of stuff. That's the level of detail that is just awesome. Like it's, it's he, so, so good. He, he, he re- like Tom Izzo, who is college coach, like he just reeks of Tom Izzo. Like he, he'll, he'd be a fantastic coach one day, I think, after listening like listening to him. And we heard him a lot now. Actually, started, I started listening to his pod as well and you know, understanding and watching watching him as much as he can. Uh, he's always given good insight on NBA TNT and those kind of things. But you're right, like just the insight, the basketball knowledge he'd have and the way he goes about the game, he's, he's next level. And they've, they've, as a team, they've noticed it with him being out until recently. They sort of oh. dip. Did, did big deep dive when he was he was first Steph, out injured. Steph Curry, Steph Curry's just had the worst shooting month of his career, of his career, and Draymond's yeah, not there, there, you know. And as as he talked about on that pod, right? He goes, you know, they trust him to run the offense, and you know he knows that they're going to be doing all the running around, scrambling, but he knows where they're going to be. And he he kind of talked about uh, he kind of talked about you know how about how the other day someone read his mind on a pass. And he's just like, that person knew our offense so well that they were there and they'll be able to intercept it. And like, just to think about that kind of thing, like he was just in cruise control. He knows where those two boys are going to be running around to. So he knows where to put the pass. And I think he was talking about LeBron. LeBron was there and stolen. Or, I mean, Chris Paul actually stolen and, and off he went. So, you know, he just, he gets it. And he's been vital. It'd be good to see him come back and see how that affects their, their roster. The other part that I love just before we, we move on and, and Buckets, I do want to just quickly touch on his comments about the LeBron incident before we, before we do, but he was talking about guys who legitimately love the game versus love being an NBA player and what comes with that mm. and how him and him and JJ were like three, four days. You can tell who loves the game and who doesn't and who's just here. For, and I'm just like, wow, like that mm. is, yeah, that's next level. That is next level. Like just awesome. Um, That's it. And just how he talked about how he's saying, when it gets down to it, like everyone in the NBA is talented, but when you get deep into those playoff games and you're deep into those quarters, it's not the talent that gets you over the line. It's that love of the game and that competitiveness to go through the pain. And there's guys that are willing to go through that pain and there's guys that aren't. And they're the ones that get over the top and the other ones that's when they get exposed when you get deep into those playoff runs. And he gave Bogut some love too. How cool was that? To teaching him how to play on the post. So that was awesome. That was yeah. cool. Yeah. Threw Bogues in there, which is, you know, whenever someone throws an Aussie in there, we're, we're pretty happy. Buckets, what did you what did you think about the uh, the comments from Draymond on, on the whole LeBron situation um, and, and the suspension, etc.? So it was refreshing that he was honest about it. So he understands what happened and that he sort of said that LeBron, um, what did he say, almost, what was the word he used? Coaxed him into it. I don't even know if that's the word he used, but almost baited him into doing what he did. Uh And he's probably right. Now, I'm sure LeBron in that moment didn't think, well, if I do this, that he's going to get suspended for game five and it's going to give us a chance to get back into this series. But I'm sure LeBron in his mind would think, if I do this and I step over him, it's going to get a reaction. And whatever that reaction is may potentially help us. Um, and the, and Draymond says, look, you know, two of my flagrant fouls were pre for post-game. So didn't get called flagrants within the game. There was a Stephen Adams incident which got upgraded to a flagrant after the game. And then the same with LeBron got upgraded to a flagrant, which put him over that four flagrant foul point threshold for him to miss a game. So it was interesting that, you know, he didn't try to make excuses or say anything. He just, he was very honest in saying that what happened is what happened. And the NBA did what they had to do. And if it was anyone else, he probably, they don't, probably get upgraded to a flagrant, but he had past um, history, which is going to not work in his favour. Um, it's it's funny that, you know, he talks about how smart Chris Paul and LeBron James are and playing that game within the game, whereas guys are playing checkers and they're playing chess. You know, I'm sure we've all come up against different guys that we understood that if we did certain things on the floor, that was going to get a certain reaction from a player. 
you know, I used to play against a guy all the time and I knew I'd get a charge early on him. He would go to the refs after that thing. It wasn't a charge. And for the rest of the game, he was done. And every time I would come up against him, all I'd be thinking is just get that first charge. Once I get that first charge, I've got him. And I'm sure LeBron in his mind would be thinking, okay, I can get Draymond off his game by doing this and that's going to give us some sort of advantage and I'm sure he didn't think he was going to get suspended but that's the smarts of the attention to detail that the great players have in every moment of every game yeah I, I, I must admit I, I agree with his um, his brutal honesty including saying if someone walks over his shoulder he'd do it again you know because ain't yes. nobody stepping over my shoulder so yeah whilst he understands what happened and what might have happened had it he not been it Upgraded, he not being suspended, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he wasn't like, I, I deeply regret it or anything. It was more, you know, the way that it played out was not ideal. Um, but obviously things might not have happened after that that happened either. You know what I mean? Like all that whole everything happens for a reason sort of thing. Um, but yeah, he could have easily gone down a different path, but he was he was, he was Draymond. And um, I think the, the good thing about him is you're going to get the truth majority of the time because he just seems to be that that sort of bloke even if it annoys someone you know he just doesn't mind <laughs> like he's got pretty thick skin there i think it's just cool just listening to him talking about how he learned from it i think that was one of the the best things to hear from him is you know yeah as he said if someone did it again would i would i do it again absolutely i would but he then went to talk about how he can control his reactions now what how and where he reacts rather than just reacting at the with the snap of the fingers. So, yeah, that was cool to understand the learnings behind that that he's kind of grown into. Yeah, no, I agree. Definitely agree. And and as uh, as Bucket said before, and to the listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, go and give it a watch on, on YouTube or, or listen wherever you listen to your podcast. Only after listening to the Courtside Hoops podcast, though, first. That, that uh, <laughs> takes precedence. Um, let's move on to the next topic, which is triple doubles. And Buckets, you wanted to, to lead this one. So, um, fire away. Yeah, so it was just, I've been thinking about this over the last few weeks because, you know, most days, um, you know, once the the daily grind is done at the salt mines, you'll jump on IG or um, you'll get on NBA.com and you'll go through the box scores and things and see what's happened over the day. And I just found myself, it was almost in every single game, someone would have a triple-double. And I remember growing up in the in um, the early 2000s and the triple-double was a huge thing. Like you might get one every couple of weeks and it was a big deal. You know, that's where you see guys like, remember Ricky Davis trying to throw a, the ball off his own back foot? <laughs> yes. <laughs> an extra rebound? Like, yes. That, that was the kind of thing. Like it was a rare thing for a player to get a triple-double. And we <laughs> spoke about this a few weeks ago. Like we understand how the game's changed now where – the pace is so much quicker. Like the seven seconds or less offense in Phoenix when we were growing up was was everything. It was like, this is crazy how quick these guys are playing. And I think the stat was like, they would be in the bottom 10% of today's teams, that team. You know, so teams are playing so much faster. There's so many more possessions. The three point is so much more prevalent. So long rebounds, more possessions, which makes it easier for the guards to get rebounds with those long rebounds assists are so much easier because you can just throw it ahead to someone that shoots a three. That's a very easy assist versus having to get into the lane, create a double team, and then find an open guy for a basket. That's a much different level of assist than just chucking it to someone in the corner who shoots a three. So for me, it's becoming far easier to get a triple-double, and we're seeing that with so many guys getting them. And obviously, Russ averaging one for four of the last five seasons. So for me, I think to get it back to that level of prestige of the triple-double being something that is celebrated is to make it a, a triple-dozen. So it had, instead of having 10, 10, 10, you have to have at least 12 in each stat category for it to be something that's reported on because – it just seems that every game someone's getting a triple-double and it's lost that mystique. So if we change it to a triple-dozen, you know, then we start to see, okay, who's able to get 12 assists versus just getting that 10 assists, you know, and things like that. Um, it might just make it a bit more, um, you know, celebrated than just, you know, guys that 
aren't really stars of the league, but they're getting triple doubles and everyone's thinking that they're amazing because they got, you know, almost as many triple doubles as LeBron has in the season, knowing that those two things don't really compare. You know, I'd like to to know, and this is the, I guarantee there's a website out there with this somewhere because you can find nearly every any stat. <laughs> yeah, as we say, buckets. There's, there's usually a who scored the most points on a Tuesday when it's raining outside. You know, type type <laughs> stat on a, on a website somewhere. But to see the winning numbers and and if that's changed, like back in the day, you you could almost guarantee when someone had a triple double that that team was probably going to win. For yeah, you know, would be a very high percentage of, of chance they're going to win because they were just such an amazing sort of feat. Whereas now there's dudes getting triple doubles in losses all the time. You know what I mean? Like all the time. Um, so that would be interesting. Um, but I, I love the idea of, of um, triple dozen. I reckon that's, that's awesome. That's, I reckon that's a really, really cool idea because I've sort of got sick of the, of the, um, the triple double as well. And um, I must admit when we first started our, um, our Facebook page buckets, I was putting the, every time someone got a triple double as a post, <laughs> I just got sick of it because I was having to post every single day, you know, <laughs> multiple times a day. I was just like, no, nah, bugger this. Like, unless it's something sort of outrageous and the guy and the team wins, it's always a prerequisite in mind now. Team doesn't win. Sorry. You know, like it's like when someone drops 50 and, and, they, you know, if they didn't win, they're sort of like, doesn't matter. Like, doesn't count. I think Brad Beals had a couple of games in the 50s and maybe even 60s and they've lost. And he's like, doesn't count. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's ever had 50 in a win. I'm pretty sure all he's got, like, for high scoring games, it comes in losses. Yeah, that's, that's rough, isn't it? But I, I love the idea of triple dozen because you're right. It's that next, it's that next level up then. You know what I mean? Like, it's that, it's, you're taking it a little bit higher. Um, and, and it will reduce a lot of them because a lot of them do have at least one category where it's just 10. You know, and they might get it late with a rebound or an assist, and guys might get out of the way to get that, let that guy get a rebound, you know, or something like that as well. I've seen a bit of a rise too in in seeing guys on in the offensive sets holding the ball almost till four or three seconds on the shot clock. I hate that. It's not, it's not oh, a great that. look for the game. Um, I think that's something that has you know, as they've understood the business of basketball that when they go into contract talks, the teams are saying, well, you know, X averages seven assists a game. So they get 40 million a year. You only average five. So we're going to pay you 30. They're starting to understand that business side of it. So I get why they do it. But from a spectator perspective, I don't like that. Look, it, it's that's not real basketball. That's just playing the business side of it. It's, it's the analytics, isn't it? Just taking over basketball for like, so many people like it's that's that is i go look at a box score and i know exactly what happened in that game it's like no 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 you don't like no go listen to draymond go listen to draymond you know that's that's not what it's all about tell she been quiet chime in what's your thoughts on triple double um so i absolutely agree that they're becoming way too easy uh to accomplish in the game and i think exactly what you touched on, you know, volume shooters, um, you know, getting out more shots, more, you know, more shots per game means there's going to be more rebounds, um, more assists as well, because, you know, you're passing off to someone who's going to shoot it. Um, I think the other thing too, for me is like, I've watched a few, um, like a few video clips of what um, gets counted as an assist these days. And like, you know, the, like the, the definition of assist to me was, a pass that basically leads immediately to getting a basket. And there has been like video clips of where, you know, this bloke will get a, um, like an assist and it'll be a half court, a pass to someone who's half court who drives, goes around two players, you know, it's probably 10 seconds before they've actually made the basket and that player will get the assist. And I'm like, well, you know, yeah. that's, that, that's not really an assist yeah. in my mind. Like an assist is driving, draw a double team, do a dump down pass to a dunk or throw an alley or, you know, get to a, 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 an open three-point shooter who can cash the shot. Like I wonder if maybe the definition of the assist needs to be kind of, you know, revamped a little bit as to, you know, have we lost touch with a little bit of how easy it is to get an assist? I mean, rebounds, you can't really revamp that. You shoot a ball, hits a ring or whatever. If you get a rebound, that's a rebound, whatever. Um, I just think the assist category is just way, too, way too easy to get these days. Um, yeah, one because of how they're counted, and two because you know, as you say, you know, if you've got Steph Curry in your team, you dish him anywhere outside the three point line, he's probably going to take one dribble and shoot it and cash, and you might get seven of those a game or five of those a game. There's five assists straight away. Um, 
to fix one of those, you reckon just take away anything with the dribbles, not an assist? It would be one way of one way of doing it for sure. Or like, you know, or, or have a cap on it. One dribble, that's all they can take. One dribble, otherwise it's no but, it's no longer an assist. Because I, I guess though, even if you had one dribble, like a dude could actually make the play for himself with one dribble. Like these guys are pretty skilled players that yeah, it might you might pass someone on the wing and they might do a really good like you know, rip and go with yeah. one dribble. And it's like, that's not really an assist. <laughs> like, you well, haven't, and that, and you haven't helped that guy get to, the, you know what I mean? Like get to that spot. And, and, and that's it too. Like, like sometimes, you know, people get credited with, credited with an assist and it'll be like passed to them and they hold on the ball for three or four seconds, do a couple of jab steps and then shoot it in the face. And it's like, they haven't dribbled, but also that shouldn't be an assist. Like, <laughs> you get an assist. Yeah. You get an assist. You get an assist. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a little bit, it's a little bit crazy, crazy for, for mine, but um. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, it's it's, it's nearly getting to a point now that the, the only good triple doubles you get um, are points and then either rebound and assists as one of the categories. Then you've got to get 10 blocks or 10 steals, something to make it impressive. Those ones are than, awesome. Yeah. You know, those ones are good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, short of short of that, triple doubles aren't impressive anymore unless, as you say, unless they're, you know, 50 points, you know, 18 assists and 10 rebounds or something. That's sort of really the only way they, they, they look impressive to me now. So... It's just a usage of the guys, really. Like the guys that are getting triple double are high usage guys. Like the offense runs through them, they're getting the ball in the hands, like your James Harden, your Russell Westbrooks, so like Jokic, like they're just the balls in their hand all the time because they're required to do so much. So, you know, if your guys like averaging a triple double, maybe they don't really have very many good teammates. That's that might be something to consider. I don't know, but yeah, I, I just quickly saw Reg as well. So, like on average. Like with guys, it was 2019 stats, but uh, the top 24 triple doubles of all time, it's around like a 75% win for those guys. So like your Oscars. So yeah. that, that year, so it's about 75%. At the time when they get a triple double, they win. I think Draymond, must be in the last two years, he was 22-0. Every time he got a triple double, they'd won up to the end of 2019. So I think it's probably changed now. But so yeah, wow. play getting a triple double, it's about an, on average around 70 to 75% chance they win. Hmm. They know they to bring in that um what was it the five five the five fives you know if you can get five points five rebounds five assists five blocks five steals that's more impressive than getting a trip dub. In, in other words, the Alex Caruso. That's what I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the goat. He only can get the five points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one he doesn't get to. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the the final topic, which um may or may not be a big one. We'll, we'll know literally in the next uh, <laughs> five days <laughs> until the trade deadline. Um, and that's whether or not the Nets and uh, Philly being able to get a, a Ben Simmons, James Harden package um, to, to see if it happens. Um, I want to start with what you think the likelihood of that is. Um, and then we can sort of dive into it to a bit of the details from there. But if you had to guess off the top, uh, and we'll start with you, Tosh. Do you reckon it's likely or unlikely that this will happen? I think, I think that, it, like to me, I think it's more likely to happen um, than not. Now it, it seems like there's, you know, with some, how good the reporting is, you know, that that come out of the USA. Um, I, I mean, I do think I think where, like where there's smoke, there's uh, there's generally fire, and I think that. Um, yeah, I think that there'll be a deal done of some description as, you know, depending on what that is, you know, will be anyone's guess. It sounds like that the the current state of play is that, um, you know, Daryl Morey really wants James Harden at Philly, willing to part ways with Ben Simmons and sounding like, um, you know, Brooklyn are wanting a couple more guys packaged into that deal because they're giving away, you know, essentially an all-star and MVP for Ben Simmons who, you know, whilst he's elite um, in some respects there's obviously you know the issues that you potentially get along with getting Simmons um, so I, I think that um, you know it sounds like a deal will get done it sounds like it'll be Simmons and potentially you know like a Seth Curry and a Matisse Thybul or one of those um, along to get um, swapped for James Harden yeah I think it's likely to happen and would you like it if it happened um, I think that the one thing that it that the Nets are probably a bit wary of is it probably turns Philly into it might nearly leapfrog them into the the number one spot. I mean, if you have 
Joel Embiid, how he's playing, with, which we've discussed already, um, and James Harden enjoying a system that he actually wants to play in. Um, you know, there there could be a that could be a very scary East team to to come up against, and you know, Brooklyn with KD unhealthy coming back, Ben Simmons hasn't played basketball all year, Kyrie Irving currently only playing away games. Like you know, Nets would basically be signing over the the number one you know spot. Um, or, you know, the perceived number one spot to uh, Philly, which is a big thing. Um, from a uh, from a from a long-term perspective, I think a Ben Simmons fits that better than a James Harden just because of the the pure usage that James Harden needs to have the ball in his hand to create. Um, and so does Kyrie Irving. So if he gets back to, you know, if he gets vaccinated and he comes back and plays, you can't have Harden, Kyrie, Durant um, all trying to, you know, ISO. But even though their record's been great, um, I think having Ben Simmons, who's a facilitator, but also can get into the paint and is an elite defender, I think will will make Brooklyn a better team in the in the long run and and set them up for more championships. Might, might keep you out of the plane where you're currently looking with your seven game slide. Absolutely. <laughs> Pat, likely, unlikely. Where do you sit? Uh, unlikely. I reckon we'll end up in Atlanta or Minnesota at the deadline. I reckon they won't be able to get it done. And I reckon that Philly, I think Sham's already talked about uh, Philly have said no to Collins and Bogdanovich from Atlanta. Um, I think at the end of the deadline, I think if they can't get anything down, he's probably, he's going to have to move him to one of those. And I think uh, Minnesota came out the other day saying they're happy to take Tobias Harris as well. So I think he'll move, but I don't think it'll be to Brooklyn, no. Buckets? Well, Pat's just throwing a spanner in the works because I hadn't even seen anything about the Minnesota being a player. I'd only seen Atlanta and uh, Brooklyn. So you've, uh, you've blindsided me there, Pat. So I appreciate that. <laughs> um, if, I was, if I was the GM of the Nets, I'd be jumping at the opportunity to offload James Harden um, because I just don't like James Harden. But I think it works because... Sound, sound logic. <laughs> you've got you've got a guy that's come out and said he wants to test free agency. So there's potentially you're going to lose him for nothing at the end of the year. You can get a guy like Ben Simmons who's got four years left on his deal into your system. I I would take the educated guess that he's Ben Simmons is going to still be a star once you get him out of Philadelphia. So get him on your roster. Get a guy out that's going to test free agency who's proven that he's not someone that can carry your franchise in the postseason and you've got him trying to carry you at the moment and you're on a seven-game slide. So for me, get him out, get Ben Simmons into your system so you don't lose him for nothing. KD comes back in a month's time. You've got a guy like Ben Simmons who is going to fix some of their defensive problems that Brooklyn have that James Harden and Kyrie Irving are going to do nothing for you. So you've got to think you're coming up. At some stage, they're going to come up against the Bulls, the Heat, or the Bucks in that playoff run. No one on that Brooklyn Nets team can do anything with Giannis. But if you can get Ben Simmons into your lineup, you've got at least a piece to throw at him. At the moment, if you've got James Harden trying to check him or Kevin Durant trying to check him, Giannis will average 40 points a game. At least if you've got Ben Simmons, you can throw something at him and you get rid of a liability like Harden. So for me, I'm jumping at the chance to do that deal and get Ben Simmons into the Brooklyn net system. I think you're thinking of one side though. Like when you think about the Philly side, right? James Harden can only play defense in the post. You've got Joel Embiid, the best post defender. What you don't, you, how do you hide him? How do you hide him on defense? And that Philly's roster, like Seth Curry's been a great defender. Danny Green's getting on. He can still defend a little bit. Like Maxi's an okay, okay defender. I thought Thibault's Thib- going to be your, your, your number one defender, of course. But you look at the flip side for, for Philly. The fit, it looks pretty good. Harden and, and B. Yeah, it looks good offensively. Defensively, it, it doesn't look great. It's it's yeah, that's going to be a situation to play. But like Brooklyn are going to want Maxi in the deal. If they don't get Maxi in the deal, they're not going to do the deal. So they're, they're going to they're going to, they need a point guard that can. When it comes to finals and Kyrie is sitting at home unvaccinated and not being able to play, they're going to need a point guard and they're, you know, they're, they're going to need someone. So I think that's Pat they're not going to do the deal without Maxi. 
Paddy's a very good point guard. But Don't be disrespecting Paddy. As you've seen, hey, no, look, when he wears green and gold, he's a fantastic point guard. When he wears black and white and he shoots inconsistently, he can go from seven from nine or he can go zero from seven. And he doesn't get to the cup. He's just a shooter these days. Like they're just playing him as a spot up shooter. He doesn't get to, he doesn't get to the cup. So, I mean, the th- thing is too, like like when all this sort of um, came out that potentially Brooklyn and, and Philly were were looking at you know James Harden Simmons move. I actually looked into like James Harden's options at the end of the year, and he hasn't got a, like he's got five or six options that he can do. A lot of them are unlikely. So he's basically got. A, a player option at the end of the to, to play next year for forty six million dollars. So he can he can opt into that and get paid forty six million dollars, um, or he can opt out of it. So he can so so he can opt out of it and try and sign elsewhere. Currently, there's only three teams projected to have cap space enough to sign in this year, which is Detroit, Orlando, or San Antonio. I mean, I don't think Harden wants to go to any of any of those teams. So it's probably Oklahoma so got, City Thunder. Or, or Oklahoma City Thunder will have some cap space. They've got like thirty million right now. Well, apparently, apparently they don't have much. Not to, not to sign to his maximum of forty six point five. Yeah. Um, and then then he's got the option of opting out and just re-signing with Brooklyn, which um, is more attractive um, financially for him. He gets about two hundred sixty nine million in a max contract, and then he's got opting in and extending with Brooklyn, which actually gives him more money. Gives him about two hundred seventy five million to sign an extra four-year deal with them. Um, or he can opt in um, and then be traded and then extend with the new team. So he can opt into his player agreement, be traded, and then in six months' time, that team can then extend him for a four-year contract. Also give him $274 million across the four years. Um, I mean, the other option, I mean, the other option he's got is he could just play out play out his session on an expiring deal and becomes a free agent and then at the end of 2023. But you know the age of 33 i can't imagine he's going to want to go into a you know a contract year and not have another deal lined up um so he, like his his only options really are re-signing with like signing in with brooklyn again or actually opting in and then being traded and hoping that the team that they go to he goes to will extend him for a four year max is essentially in, sort of where he's at in two or three years' time, whoever's dumb enough to give him a max deal, we're going to be having this conversation that he's in the category of Russell Westbrook and John Wall. Yeah, I was, I was looking at it. In, in, so I think it's 2026 and 2027 season. If, he, if they sign to that max deal, he's getting paid $62 million at the age yeah. of 37 to be playing yeah, at, the, at the last year of his contract, which, you know, yeah. a 37-year-old James Harden, I don't know if you would want to be paying him 60, $62 million, but... No, that's that's he, that's that's the current state of play. I think yeah, he's he's come out and Bobby Marks did a piece on it too. He he'll, I think he said if he declines the option and then signs, that's probably going to be the best way for him to do it. But that's a lot of cash to leave on the table, and someone's going to be and Daryl Morey will be stupid enough to give him a max deal if he can find a way to do it. He's dumb enough so to he, do it because so so if he, if he opts out and just goes and signs elsewhere, he's leaving about seventy million, seventy four million on the table. He won't do that. He's pretty pretty greedy. I mean, he's got his jersey retired to strip club for God's sake. Like he needs the money. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 it sounds like he's either going to extend with Brooklyn and then they're gonna have to have to try and trade his massive contract, or they're gonna he's gonna opt into his year. Brooklyn will trade him and then it'll be up to whoever they trade him to whether they want to offer him an extension in six months' time. What are your thoughts, Reg? I, I think it's unlikely, is my view. I just, I, I just think, I mean, I think it's, there's obviously conversations going on and they're obviously um, trying to put the pieces together. But if I'm Philly, I can't see them giving up Maxi. I can't see them giving up Thibault as well as Ben Simmons because then you're giving away all of your defense. <laughs> and you, Thibault's so underrated, you know, on that side of the floor. And I think they've already said he's, he's as good as close as untouchable as you, you'll pretty much get because of that, um, because of that impact that he has. He's sort of, I mean, if we're talking about Draymond Greens and things like this, he's one of those dudes who can contribute to winning and not dominate the stat sheet. Um, Defense one to four, there's not many people that do that. Yeah, I, I still think James Harden will be there beyond deadline with with the Nets and in the offseason is when things could get interesting. But I, I just don't see it happening between now and the deadline. I mean, I mean, like, like, where, where do you see Ben Simmons end? Because I mean, you know, like, I, I know that Pat said Atlanta or Minnesota, but you know, they've already knocked back one deal from Atlanta. It sounds like like Bogdanovich and Collins. Like, you've got Embiid 
and Andre Drummond at Philly, like surely having another centre into that mix is not going to be ideal. Um, well, Colin play, Collins plug. He, he play, if you could, if you could move Tobias Harris, you can have John Collins and Embiid together. But in the modern day of basketball, with John Collins being a scrappy three point shooter at best, like he's not exactly a great floor spacer. You don't win with two bigs. So Daryl Moore is just going to have to widen his list from. 30 now to 40 to 100 maybe, and he might actually get a deal. He just, mm. It's just two arrogant people going at each other, I think is what you're going to find like what's, in this situation. Like, like, like what's Minnesota offering? Like, like, you know, you said Minnesota's in there. Like what, what package are they going to offer? I mean, D'Angelo Russell. I think, I think, to be honest, everyone on that Minnesota list would be up for trade minus Anthony Edwards. Mm. And Cat, Cat's not what he used to be. But Cat and Embiid, in again, same thing. You're not going to win. I mean, they stretch the floor, yeah, but defensively it's going to be hard. But, you know, you'd, it'd probably have to be around Malik Beasley and, and D'Lo and you'd probably have to sort out picks in there as well. That's probably what they could look at. You know, Pat Bev, I don't know. They don't really want him there. They're trying to move him. So, See, like like none of those in my mind trumps a, a James Harden going to that team and potentially get, letting them win a title. Like he, he may, like he may, he can push them into that, real contention, even though it is a risk because he could turn up there and horrible defender, you know, not play to his full potential. But surely that gives more of a chance for the 76ers to win now than getting a D'Angelo Russell and a couple of picks and Pat Bev. Like, that's not going to put Philly into, you know, the, the, the next step above to be an absolute contender. Yeah, but they get those guys and then they don't lose Maxi and Simmons walking out the door. You know, you, 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 you've got to have your players. It's not just three guys who win an NBA title. You know, you need a, you need a deep squad. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. You know, it, fair chance, five days, whenever it ends, he's still on Philly and he's still sitting in his house in Philly, Philly and, and going to local gyms and trying not to be seen by anyone and, and being the recluse that he is, I think. I, I think they, they said last week as well that Maury was trying to get him to come back again and try and train and play. And it's like, well... You know, if you don't move him past the deadline, I think he might come back and play. But if I was on that team and a leader on that team, when I want him, no, is the answer. Yeah, he's great. He's got to play can help us win. But, but we've got something going on here. Us guys are putting half the season. We're here. We're committed. We can't trust you. Just from a commitment standpoint, you might tell us, sorry, I'm back. I want to play. I couldn't trust him. I agree. I, I hate it. But I think Ben is still there beyond the deadline, if I had to guess. And I don't like it at all, but that's just... My, fit, my thoughts, that's where I'm, I'm feeling at the moment, which is not going to be him at all. If you go Embiid, you are fuming if that happens. He's not saying that publicly. He's like, we've got everything we need. But, I mean, you're not going to say. <laughs> you're not going to say yeah. that publicly. So, yeah. Then, then not, yeah. We're not going to do any damage in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a waste well, of, a, of a healthy that, season that. for Embiid too. Like... Mm-hmm. He's actually managed to keep himself on court for the majority of the season. Touchwood that continues. Um, he's you know he's get definitely was going the way of Anthony Davis. Pat, sorry to bring that up, but you know very struggles to stay on the court. Um, Glass but, house. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's actually put put together a great season this year. He's actually staying on the floor, which is fantastic. Well, we will all see in about four or five days. I think our time. We'll see what happens before the deadline and see what other moves are made too. And obviously we can discuss them on the next one. Um, I want to wrap it up, but I want to get final thoughts from everyone before I do. Um, we'll start with you, Tosh. Uh, I mean, my, my only final thoughts is I'd love to see Ben Simmons on Brooklyn. Um, I bet you I feel sorry. I feel sorry for my poor Wizards. And uh, I'm quietly... Uh, I'm a little bit happy, even though uh, Buckets and Pat's not going to like this, that I'm happy that, that Lakers are not going well. We won today. What are you talking about? Pat? Yeah. Uh, I'm just hoping LeBron James stays healthy because I read a stat the other day that uh, in his Lakers in his Lakers tenure, uh, we we win when he plays. So I just want him to stay healthy <laughs> and then and then just get his son in the league and get him out so we can restart. And, but, yeah, just let him play the rest of the season uh, and be healthy so we can actually win. Buckets? So I've got, I got two two-part final thoughts. First one is I was watching the game today um, and so I watch games on my PS4 and after the first quarter I was so upset that I stopped watching and played Tony Hawk Pro Skater 
So, and then I checked the scores and saw that we won. So from now on, I'm not watching any Laker games until we lose again. So once we lose again, I'll start watching. But at the moment, I'm thinking, well, I didn't watch and we did so much better than that first quarter. So that's what I'm doing. So hopefully they go on a 20-game win streak and I'll have no idea what they're doing. And the second one is I hope in four days' time it's like 2018 all over again, like in Cleveland, where we just trade everybody out. Blow it up. Austin Reeves and LeBron. And I wake up in the morning. And Malik Monk. I'm going to learn all these new names. (laughs) We're keeping Malik Malik Monk. Yeah. Monk and Reeves are untouchable. Everyone else. I like it. Um, but no, we'll we'll, um, we'll recap any of any of the moves that happen and, and the significance of them, um, and obviously we'll see. That always starts at the top with with what's happening with Ben Simmons.